Hello, and welcome to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast from right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. We post our Sunday messages here each week and the occasional special announcement or series. You can visit vineyardchurch.us and select Springbrook from the menu to learn more about us or to access our audio archive. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And now, here's the episode. So our reading comes from Romans 12, 1 through 21. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a person, a new person, by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluations of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with, the, with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. 14. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, All right, here we go. Here we go. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Lindsay? I'm swiping. Oh, okay, here we go. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. 
Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will reap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Are we still friends? We're still friends, I guess. Oh, my Lord. Uh, We've been in Romans 12 all summer. If you've been here, you know, and we've never read it in its entirety. And so I was like, oh, we should read the whole thing at once. And then I was like, oh, I only know one person who can do that. And she said yes before I told her what it was. So, um, you know, I'm I'm a good friend to have, guys. Uh, (laughs) Let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Oh, Jesus, thank you for today. Uh, It is a special day, and I pray that we would be aware of your presence here if we aren't already, and I pray that you would give us the courage to join whatever it is we see you doing in this room. Uh, We love you, and we thank you for being with us in our time together in your name. I pray, amen. Uh, So we are uh, finally ending our summer-long run into Romans 12. Uh, If you've been with us, we've spent the, or if not, we've spent the last three months uh, going through not an entire book of the Bible, which sounds reasonable, but just one single chapter for three months. Uh, I hope it has been as rich for you as it's been for me. Um, I hope you have not just felt like you were stuck somewhere. I was thinking about this this week. Like, I hope you didn't feel like you were stuck in line at the post office uh, with babies crying all around you and your people are asking you questions like you are a post office expert. Does anyone have this experience too? The two people who go to the post office like I do and everyone's like, do you know this? And I'm like, I'm just wearing like a t-shirt. Like, I don't know anything about post office. Anyway, I hope you have not felt stuck uh, in Romans 12. I hope it has been rich for you. Um, but we've gone really slowly, often like verse by verse, sometimes like half verse by half verse. Uh, but to end our time today, um, I really wanted to do something that we try to do often here at Springbrook, um, which is to uh, just like take a couple of steps back and look at the wide view of what we've been talking about for the the whole summer, the wide view of what I think Paul is talking about in Romans 12, and just sort of an overview uh, over that. Um, when you study the Bible, this is an important skill to have, uh, to know how uh, to take a few steps back. It is a, is a good practice to read verses close up and individually, um, but the, if you think about it, Uh, The church has gone to some very gnarly places in the world by only reading one verse at a time and applying it to things and not taking a few steps back and being like, oh, there's more of a story here. So it is a good practice uh, in reading the Bible to take a step back, look at a wider view. Um, And so so, uh, that's what we're going to do today. So uh, Romans 12, as we said at the very beginning of our summer, picks up after 11 chapters of some very deep and very heady and very intense theology uh, from Paul. Uh, Romans 1 through 11 is some of the, the most incredible writing about how to practice the way of Jesus that's ever been put to paper. It's unbelievable. It's also sometimes incredibly confusing. Uh, I think I've said this before, but one time I decided I was going to read Romans 8 until I understood it, and I read it every day for 30 days, and at the end I was like, huh, 
uh, and then I just gave up. So um, if you want to learn how to read the Bible from your pastor, that's what I did. Um, but, uh, the, but it is. It's like this unbelievable stuff, but also really heady and intellectual stuff. And so Romans 12 kind of comes out of that vein of thinking, out of intense theology, with Paul um, kind of humanizing all that he said and giving a, a charge to the church at Rome. Uh, and it meets us here. It's not just a, a, a charge for the church at Rome uh, 2,000 years ago or almost, but, but a charge, I think, today for the church um, here in Alcoa, Tennessee in 2023. Uh, and he begins with this plea. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Uh, he begins his letter uh, saying this. He's saying, give this faith that I've talked about for 11 chapters, give it a true chance. Uh, when it comes to the ways of Jesus, jump all in. Uh, the way we've said that, that all summer is that Paul has been asking us to give all we know of ourselves to all we know of who God is, uh, to being formed by the Holy Spirit into the ways of Jesus. And if we take an even wider step out, uh, the Bible tells us at the very beginning of its pages that human beings were created by God in his own image. That from the very beginning, humanity was intertwined body and soul with their creator. And that along the way, something happened to warp or distort uh, this Imago Dei, this image of God in us, this, um, this shape of us, this interconnectedness between us and God. And so uh, because of that, all of us, Jesus follower or not, every human being has this innate desire uh, to morph or change, or to evolve into something more human, or something more divine, or more of what we were originally created to be. And we see this all over the world, right? Like the self-help industry is booming still. Um, I, and I'm not hating on it. I love this stuff. I will talk to you about Peter Atiyah and a gut microbiome as long as you will listen. Um, I've been asked not to say gut microbiome on baby dedication Sundays, but I did. So, you know, but I will talk to you about all that stuff. Books alone in the self-help industry are a $13 billion industry. Um, I, I learned this this week. I had no idea. Do you know Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker, Tony Robbins? Do you know that he brings in a revenue of $1 billion? I did not say million. Billion dollars. Uh, the fall of man led to a quest in every single human being to restore something broken in us. Uh, Paul writes this letter with this in mind. He's saying, give all you know of you to all you know of God in the ways of transformation. Uh, Paul, he uses the word sacrifice to talk about this idea. Uh, it comes up in his words in the beginning, and then everything he has to say afterward is like a sacrifice. Uh, he says the sacrifice of Jesus is, is to arrange our whole lives around being transformed into his image uh, for the good of ourselves, but also for the good of the world. A transformation into what the Bible calls our most uh, true or original identity. Uh, the Greek word for transformation that's used all throughout the New Testament and used here is uh, metamorpho, or I heard someone pronounce it metamorpho, but I was a little too embarrassed even though I just said it. But it has two O's at the end. Um, it's the word we get metamorphosis from, and essentially it just means uh, to transform something in stages into its essential shape. This is the word Paul uses here for what we're pursuing as Jesus followers, a metamorpho, a transformation. Uh, it is essentially the opposite of being stuck. 
that feels important because uh, Paul's invitation out of stuckness and into, his invitation is to transform out of stuckness and into transformation. And that feels important for me personally because I, I don't know about you, but I severely underestimated how much time I would spend as an adult feeling stuck. Like, I remember being a teenager and feeling so stuck in the world and thinking, like, when I'm a grown-up, I won't feel this way anymore. And then I became a grown-up, and I was like, oh, no. It's here, too. Uh, metamorpho, it's, it, it's, it's bigger than, like, a shift in opinions or, or a shift into thinking or believing something. Uh, John Mark Comer, in talking about this word and this idea uh, it, it, that happens all throughout the New Testament and the New Testament writers, he says, the New Testament writers, Paul included, talk about metamorphosis or transformation as a reimagining of your life uh, that goes beyond opinion or belief, but a reimagining of your life that goes from the ground up around the idea of the kingdom of God. It is a redreaming of your entire life based on a new and Christ-driven way of defining what it means to be human and uh, what it means um, to, to do that in the power or within the power and presence of God. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, reimagining and reimagination, are, those are the first steps of transformation. Which is why throughout this letter, uh, Paul talks about this. And at the beginning of this letter, he says, allow God to transform you as a person by changing the way you think. Uh, read for that. Transformation is what happens when you allow God access to your life and your heart and your mind and your thoughts, making room for reimagining and redreaming your life from the ground up. Uh, redefining and rethinking what it means to be human, what it means to live a good life. Uh, it turns out that Paul was incredibly ahead of his time because uh, we have access to a science that he did not have access to uh, almost 2,000 years ago. Um, but what he's talking about here is, is essentially uh, neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is, is the brain. This is a really, every scientist in the room, plug your ears. Um, this is a really simple way of saying it. But neuroplasticity is the way, it's the brain's way of, of forming connections within itself. It's uh, synaptic connections. It's what happens to the brain when uh, we learn something. For example, when you meet someone and you learn their name, um, neuroplasticity is what is responsible for you making a connection between that person and their name. Maybe you just met someone during Passing the Peace and you learn their name and maybe you're like, oh crap, I've already forgotten it. Um, and that's normal um, because part of neuroplasticity is that uh, continuing to use a connection over and over and over again is what strengthens the connection in our brain. It's why I can um, make a baked spaghetti without consulting a recipe book or the internet or anything because I make a baked spaghetti every week at my house. Actually, sorry, I used to make a baked spaghetti every week at my house until my family revolted and uh, did a baked spaghetti strike. Some people are striking like for a living wage out there and my kids are striking tomato sauce. So, you know, tomato, tomato, you do what you do. Um, but um, but, but, but I can do that because I have formed this connection as a solid connection uh, into my mind. Um, I'm digressing, but neuroplasticity has much to say, I think, about uh, spiritual formation, about uh, the transformation that happens in following Jesus. In fact, I would argue that, that from a wide view, Romans 12 is really just Paul saying, uh, here are some of the connections or some of the patterns that will be worth revisiting over and over and over again in your life. Over and over again as you desire to be transformed. 
Uh, He's saying that there are things that will need to shift and change and be replaced in us in order for us to become more fully who we were meant to be. Uh, I want to quote Dallas Willard here. He says, The process of spiritual formation, or sub for that transformation, in Christ is one of progressively replacing destructive images and ideas with the images and ideas that fill the mind of Jesus himself. Spiritual formation in Christ moves toward a total interchange of our ideas and our images for his ideas and images. Basically, Paul is saying uh, following Jesus is not a decision that you make one time. It is a continued process of renewing your thinking into the ways of Jesus over and over and over and over again. And then he spends the rest of his chapter kind of making a list. Here are things to revisit over and over again as you allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life. Here are some of the things that it would be worth uh, getting um, so uh, forming strong connections around in your brain. Uh, uh, Getting so deep into your soul and your body and your mind, uh, repeatedly activating these things so that they become second nature to you. Uh, He starts with worship. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. That is truly the way to worship him. Essentially, he's saying that the way to true worship, while it absolutely includes singing a few songs on a Sunday morning, it is a bigger concept than that. It is a more sacrificial concept than that. Uh, True worship, according to Paul, includes sacrifice. And it includes transformation. And it's something to revisit over and over again. Uh, And then the next thing he does is he talks about our need to revisit our view of the world and ourselves to learn how to see these two things as they truly are. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measure yourself by the faith God has given us. He's saying, revisit your view of yourself over and over again throughout your life. Because there will be seasons that you see yourself as far higher than you actually are. Uh, That is called adolescence. No offense. (laughs) It's also called 41, I'm learning. So no offense to me either. Uh, There will be seasons that you see yourself as higher than you already are. And there will be seasons that you will see yourself as so much lower than you already are. Also called adolescence in 41, it turns out. There are these seasons, they have to be revisited. Uh, When we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we talked about the serenity prayer. There's this second part of the serenity prayer that never really gets quoted. And it's this prayer that says, I want to see the world as Jesus does, uh, as it is, not just as I hope it will be. And that is it. That is what we're asking by revisiting. I want to see myself as Jesus does, not just how I hope I am or how I want to one day be, but how I actually am. And this requires revisiting. Uh, And then Paul talks about our gifts. He jumps right into that. He's like, don't think too high of yourself, but remember you're gifted. And he he jumps right into it. Just as our bodies have many parts that have a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to one another. And then he goes through the gifts. He's like, he's given you different gifts to do things well. If you uh, prophesy, speak out with as much faith as you can. If your gift is serving, serve well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging, encourage. Generosity, give well. Offering boxes are in the back. Ha ha. Um, I almost said just kidding. They are actually in the back, but that was just a joke in the sermon. Um, uh, if, you, uh, if, you're, if you're 
gift is, is to encourage, be encouraging. Or if your gift is showing kindness, then show kindness. It is a reminder that not only have we been made on purpose, uh, for purpose by God, but we have also been uniquely gifted to follow through with that purpose. And with the gifts of God comes a responsibility or a stewardship training us to use them well. If you're here and you're like, I think church is the most bonkers place in all of time, I would argue that part of the reason for that is we haven't been very good stewards of the gifts that we've been given. Uh, in the message version of this, uh, the, the wording is so challenging and it's so encouraging. He says, uh, he says, just go ahead and be who you were made to be. Just go ahead and be who you were made to be. And this is something uh, we don't have to just visit once, but over and over again. With the understanding that God's gifts to us aren't a zero-sum game, that they aren't things to pit us against one another or to compete with against who's better at serving or teaching or prophesying. Uh, but rather, in humility, he has given us gifts for the good work of his kingdom in unique and brilliant ways. And so he's saying, revisit your gifts. Do you know what they are? And are you using them? And how do you feel about them? Are you excited or resentful or competing or humble? Or how are you using them? Uh, the next thing Paul says, and this is kind of how he spends the rest of his time, uh, is, is he says that one thing that will require revisiting in this continual transformation is our relationships with others. He says a lot in this chunk. Don't just pretend to love others. Actually love them. Uh, hold tightly to his good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. When God's people are in need, help them. Always be eager to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Uh, be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Uh, according to Paul, relating to one another will require plenty of imagination and reimagination and formation and reformation all of our lives. It's like he's saying that transformation in our relationships will require an openness and a curiosity in order to really learn things like how to truly be hospitable. Or how to live in harmony and forgiveness. If you want some helpful tips on hospitality, I'm not kidding. Both of the couples that we just dedicated their babies, this is like oozes out of them. And part of that is it requires them to revisit it. I'm this kind of hospitable without kids. Now I have to revisit what does it look like now that I've added a baby into uh, my home or, or however. Uh, he's saying that we have to, to, to revisit um, one of the practices that we do that has to do with relating to others that we do here at Springbrook all the time is uh, we do this enemies prayer. And don't worry, I'm not going to put it on the screen today. Um, but we do it a lot and we do it over and over and over again because we believe in practicing a radical forgiveness and empathy in order to allow the Holy Spirit uh, to rework the synapses of our minds out of resentment and into forgiveness. And so we put this prayer up where we're praying blessing on the people that have hurt us. And every time we do it, I tell you, I hate this prayer. If you're looking for it, it's like all over our social media so you can find it. I hate this prayer. I hate praying that God will bless someone that I'm mad at above me. But I need this prayer. Oh, and I need to do it over and over and over again. Because, again, no offense, but as humans, we are petty, petty people. I speak for myself. I am a petty, petty person. And so my uh, uh, relationship with relationships has to be visited over and over again. It's not lost on me that, that Paul spends most of Romans 12 talking about relationships. 
I think it is his literary clue that he understands that part of being human means being in relationship with other humans, which is wonderful and complicated and tricky. And I think by devoting so much time to talking about relationships, he's saying a significant part of your spiritual transformation will require work about how you relate to others. If you have a relationship that you feel stuck in, that is a means for transformation. If you have a relationship that feels like it's completely on the outs, it's a means for transformation. It will be over and over and over again all the days of our lives. Uh, And then he ends with this entire chunk that we talked about last week, another relational thing, but a very specific one. He says, never pay back evil with evil. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Uh, We just talked about this last week, so I'm not going to go all into it this week. I'll, I'll be brief. But part of forming our hearts to the image of God for the good of the world means imagining a world where revenge is off the table. Where, to quote N.T. Wright, we have to imagine new and creative ways of dealing with those who hurt us. And part of being human means revisiting this over and over again. Um, It means that we remind ourselves as often as we can that it will become our nature. uh, That as Jesus people, we do not have the right to withhold kindness or generosity from anyone who is an image bearer of God. Which is everyone, including ourselves. That our love and our mercy is not based on how we feel about someone, but on what we believe about who Jesus is and how he deals with us and with them. And then Paul ends with this very last line of this amazing chapter, and he ends like this. He says, do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Essentially what he's saying is we will all be formed by something. Uh, I've been watching The Summer I Turned Pretty with my kids. I say with my kids, but I, like, would watch it on my own, too. But um, I've been watching it uh, with my older boys. And now, like, I told someone this morning that I liked their whole vibe. And I don't know if that's something I say or it's because I've been watching a teenager show, right? Like, we will be formed by anything. I actually really did like her whole vibe. But, um, but we will be formed by all things around us. And I think what Paul is saying here is, like, we will be formed by something. It is good to continually check in on the things that form you. Are they things, um, are, are they things that look like the good stuff of heaven or the panic of earth? I thought this this week, I was like going through who I'm following on Instagram, and I was following a thousand news, like, uh, not a thousand, but I was following all these news things, and I would look at these like news reels, which are just like panic reels, and and it was just like, this is not the good stuff, this is not the life that I want to live. I watch these to get mad, I want to be mad at stuff, so I watch these, you know, it's like, reevaluate. I'm not saying that all of your Instagram is bad. Maybe yours is. I don't know. You should check. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, check in. What are we allowing to form uh, ourselves? Is it uh, more of the good stuff of heaven? Or, uh, and, and as we do that, as we form ourselves with more of the good things of heaven, it will seep out of us and into the world, into the place where we live and work and learn and play. So I think Paul says, as you look at your, the things that are forming you, pick the good ones. Like, pick the really good ones and allow those the loudest voice in your life. Okay, here's what I want to do. Uh, We have another rhythm that we do every Sunday here at the Vineyard. Um, We just call it Selah. It's a word we stole out of the Psalms. Uh, And the word in the Psalms, essentially, there will be like a a chorus of a song, and then you'll see the word Selah. And it essentially just means like, don't move on too fast. 
Like, take a minute and breathe before you move on to the next part of the song. And so we like to do that in the service. Uh, we just like to create a moment to breathe. And, and the reason that we do that is because we believe the stuff that I was talking about today. We believe that uh, uh, God forms our brains in moments of quiet and meditation and listening. And, and so we want to invite you to do that today. If you're here and you're not a Jesus follower and you're like, oh, no, what do I do during this time? You know whatever you want. Like, we're not trying to create some sort of experience. Um, it could just be a moment of silence. Um, but if you're interested, I wonder if you would allow something that we've talked about this morning to take root in your lives. Uh, what I said about baby dedications, I believe about this. I want to pray and bless this time because I believe that when we dedicate moments of time to God, he takes them and he blesses them. And I think that he wants to do that with all of us. So I'm just going to give you a few minutes and, uh, and we'll just, there'll be some scriptures on the screen and we'll just be quiet for a minute and then we'll come to the table. So uh, let me pray. So Jesus, uh, I, I ask you to do what I said I believe that you do. I ask that you would take these next few minutes as we give them to you and I pray that you would bless them. I pray that uh, your spirit, that maybe you would like highlight one of these things in us that might uh, need some revisiting. Uh, for those of us in the room with tricky relationships, I just pray in these next few minutes that we would um, you know, have conversation with you about what that is. If we're antsy about worship and we're like, you know, I don't like the songs they sing here. Would we, would you give us a minute uh, to hold that and see it as you do? For those of us who are afraid of uh, the world as it is, would you give us courage to see um, the world as it actually is? Pray for those of us who are um, holding on to revenge against others or against ourselves. If that has been a tricky thing to let go of, I just pray that we have more of your spirit in this room to revisit that again. Would you just give us the courage to learn lessons over and over and over again? We love you. We ask your blessing. Amen.